Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My name is Brenton Ford, and if this is your first time listening, the Effortless Swimming Podcast is all about helping you become a better swimmer. Whether you're a triathlete, an open water swimmer, or a pool swimmer, we feature a range of guests who provide their insight into becoming a faster swimmer. And today's guest is professional triathlete Josh Amberger. And in the last 12 months, he's won a range of 70.3 distance, 70.3 distance events, including Port Macquarie, Challenge Half Shepparton, uh, Western Sydney, and as well as some shorter distance events. And Josh lives up in Brisbane in Queensland, and he leads out about 75% of the swims in each of the triathlons that he does. So he's a, uh, an excellent swimmer. So today we're talking about how he's become such a strong swimmer, what sorts of things he does in training, what he thinks about in terms of his stroke and his technique, and what sort of uh, sets he does and how he goes about attacking his races. So listen in, this is Josh Amberger talking about how he got started in swimming. I think by the time I was about 10 years old, I was already swimming maybe eight sessions a week. Um, and then I kind of stepped into my first real swim squad when I was about 12, I think. And, um, yeah, really started to, uh, get some high volume. So I was, I was pretty young when I first started. Do you think that, um, that doing that hard training when you were younger, um, you know, cause I, I think swimming is one of the, the hardest sports you can do as a young kid because you're in the, the water so much, you know, compared to. I mean, even compared to footy over here, some of the guys who are training a lot might be doing two or three sessions a week. But as a swimmer, you're in there so often and you you just learn to have such a good work ethic. Do you think that's giving you a bit of an advantage um, going into triathlon where you've obviously got to train so much every week? Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, that's, that's a proper, um, you know, it's a good way to look at it. Um, I think... Yeah, like being 12, 13, 14 years old and swimming up to 10 times a week. Um, you know, I can't really remember what volume I was doing back then, but, um, you know, we were doing six, seven K sessions. Um, it de- it, you definitely just learn how to suffer and, um, you know, it sounds kind of cruel being so young, but um, it's something in Australia that, you know, we really buy into um, is, uh, you know, the swimming squads when, when you're young and, um, trying to progress through the ranks. We've got so many competitions here that literally from, I think when I was about eight or nine years old, I was just, just breathing the competition every weekend, just couldn't wait to, um, get to, get to the pool, to the carnivals on the weekend. So it's, it's definitely like, it's, even though you're really young, it definitely is a lifestyle and it certainly helps, um, you know, with the, with the longer hours, you know, today as a triathlete. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you transitioned to, to triathlon at 14, did you find your swimming style changed at all or did you start to feel different in the water when you had to do more miles on the bike and the, and the run? So you know, obviously your legs are heavier, they're sore from all that sort of training. Was there much of a change to your stroke? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to, to answer that. I don't really know how much my stroke has changed over the years. Um, I can certainly comment um, on the feeling. Um, I remember 
when I was young and just pure swimming, I'd be able to do monster kick sets. You know, we'd do 2K worth of kick sets. <laughs> and um, by the time I was 16, 17, um, I was still swimming in a squad, but obviously only four sessions a week tops. I'd do like a hill rep session on the bike in the morning. Um, and, you know, with that load of the of the bike, I would get to the afternoon to the swim squad and, you know, hardly even be able to kick a few hundred metres um, so I definitely know, you know, the the, the way I, I swam definitely changed. You now I started um, focusing a lot less on the legs um, and just more on the upper body, um, just a lot of pull kind of strength work um, rather than kind of pure finesse swimming. So I think that's probably the only way I can really answer that. Yeah, and I, I mean I've, I've sort of transitioned more to that as well. I know – um, coming from a, a pool swimming background and, um, and and coaching for the last 10 years or so, um, I, I used to teach swimmers to, um, you know, sort of go for that um, that cleaner, smoother stroke. Uh, but now I'm coaching more triathletes and it's, um, and it's just trying to teach them to not be afraid to be a little bit messy with their stroke and have a bit more drive and force with their entry. And, you know, it's okay to create a bit of splash because in the open water you're going to have to, um, to be a little bit choppy with your stroke in order to, to deal with the, the waves and the wind and all that sort of stuff. So, it's, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it is a bit of a, um, a different style of swimming. And, yeah. Um, yeah, especially, especially when you go open water, you notice it because, you know, the guys I coach, a lot of them have that pool swimming background and they go to open water and it takes them a good year or two to actually just develop that style of, uh, of swimming. Yeah, of course. I, I know... Um... There's a whenever I want to swim by myself, I've got a I've got a squad that I swim with. But um, when I'm just looking for a kind of lonely workout, I got a 15 meter pool down the road here, and there's a squad there. And I know the coach always just kind of frowns on me um, while I'm doing my <laughs> own thing in the other lane. I'm always got paddles on, um, and I know he just thinks that's the wrong way to do it. And uh, I think he'd love to get stuck into me, but I think at the end of the day, as triathletes, it's. Uh, it's just a different style of swimming to uh, pool swimmers. So I definitely mm. think you're right there. I mean, we, we do so much uh, pool paddles work now just for that strength because you want to rest your legs. You, uh, you A lot of times, at least in Victoria, we've got the wetsuit on. So you've got a bit of a kick, but it's not much of a kick. So yeah. it's just about building that, that upper body strength to get you through whatever distance that you're training for. And yeah. um you know, and I'm working with a, a swimmer who's off to a triathlete who's off to Kona next month, and um, it, for, I mean, for her, it's just just getting that strength through her shoulders because it's really good on the bike, really good with her running, but she's just um, you know hasn't got much upper body strength. So the best way for her mm-hmm. to build it is the, a lot of pull paddles work. Yeah, and uh, and you've swung with some pretty decent swimmers, Bronte Barrett, Kylie Palmer, Trent Grimsey. So um, what sort of um, what sort of impact did that have on your swimming growing up and training with athletes at that sort of level? Um, it was actually really interesting. You know, I've swum with Trent Grimsey. For those who don't know, he holds the um, the record for the fastest English channel swim. Uh, I've swum with him since I think I was about seven years old. And, you know, he was um, he was really nothing special until he was about 15, 16 um, when he went from just being a little scrawny kid to being an absolute, you know, um, powerhouse kind of, you know, six foot, um, real strength swimmer. And 
just and that's I guess that's the reason why I stopped sw- um, swimming full time in the first place because I just at the end of the day I didn't really have the um, the physique to keep swimming full time. I was just getting I'm a small guy. Um, I was just getting throttled uh, uh, because I didn't grow really. So um, it was just interesting seeing the way that people progressed um, as swimmers. And because I was smaller, I kind of just had to accept that I was never going to be a um, professional swimmer, as, as as I guess you'd say. And mm. um. So what I used to do when Trent would throttle me was uh, I'd, I'd step back a, a couple slots in the line and swim against um, uh, swim against the chicks, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, all of a sudden I'm swimming against uh, Olympic medalists, um, and um, it was actually a lot of fun trying to go head to head against swimmers like Bronte Barrett and, and Kylie Palmer. So. Um, I can actually match them quite well in the pool. So I, I actually think it's a good match for me to swim against the, um, the female swimmers. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I find training with, with guys who are at that sort of level, it, it just helps you. Um, it kind of lifts your own standard of, um, of what you think you can do in the water. And to, to see them train, um, you know, you, you're not going to be the, swim, the athlete who's there who's slacking off when you've got uh, Olympic medalists next to you. Like it's... Uh, you know, you're just not going to let it happen to yourself. So yeah. that's, um, yeah, the, the, if you can train with someone who's the same or, or slightly better than you, it just, um, that's what sort of helps keep, uh, helps to, to keep pushing you along. And, um, I, I know in our emails last week when we were sort of organizing this, you mentioned that, um, you know, your swimming sort of plateaued a little bit, but you don't really need to improve your swim uh, yep. because it's, you know, you're sort of front front of the field um, most of the time anyway. So uh, I think that's an important point is, you know, especially in triathlon, you've got the three disciplines and um, especially, you know, you could train maybe an extra two or three sessions a week and you might find a, a really small improvement. But in terms of the value of, of where your time should be spent, there's no point in, in doing that. Can you talk a little more about, um, you know, where you see the need to, to train now that your, your swims where it is, you know, as good as it can get? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think my best years as a swimmer when I was, uh, that they were when I was about 18 or 19. So I'm 26 now. Um, so since leaving the squad with, uh, you know, swimmers like Trent Grimsey, um, I just started doing a lot more tri swimming. So basically for me, triathlon swimming involves um, sprints at the start of the race and then just being able to swim tempo um, and, you know, keeping that lactic acid under control um, for the rest of the swim, however long it may be. Um, So basically I think I, I do four, max five swims a week. Three of those are going to be, um, probably involving some tempo that I swim at um, in the race and then also with some sprints to just simulate, uh, you know, the start of the race and then kind of settling into that pace. And, um, you know, swimming is also a really good tool for recovery just to um, flush all the, you know, all the crap out from the hard training. So they're probably my other two sessions a week are, are just recovery. Um, I think I've probably wandered on a bit of a tangent here. Um, no, it's good. But, yeah, but um, I kind of I know the sessions that 
uh, get me fit. And um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty lucky that they're the sessions that I need to do that are specific for the race. So, um, you know, I'm only 26, but I've, I've really been swimming most of my life. Uh, I've been swimming a long time. So it's, it's, I know, for me, I know what I need to do in the pool and it's easy to kind of get in there and um, get up to race shape uh, pretty quickly. Mm. And in terms of open water skills, are you doing any open water sessions or are you, um, do you practice those in the pool or, or you, you feel they're under control so you're just on race day, you, you're right to go? Yeah, I think, um, I think I've been pretty lucky with my open water ability. I'm not really sure what it is. I, some athletes just really seem to um, struggle in the open water even when they're great in the pool. Um, I think it's, it's almost kind of like a bit of an X factor um, but I've always been able to swim open water relatively well and not, I don't really have to train specifically for it. Um, but that being said, I, I do try and do at least one open water workout a week. Um, whether that be just for, you know, put the wetsuit on and get the feel for the wetsuit or just for recovery. I definitely think it's, um, it's important to, you know, be in the environment of the open water and have a bit of extra chop around you and, um, having to, you know, practice your navigation skills uh, and things like that. And how do you pace or position yourself for, for most of your races? I mean, obviously, front of the field, do you just go out with thinking, all right, I'm going to be leading this, so I've just got to, you know, know where the boys are and, and just not expect to follow feet? Yeah, you know, I've um, – I it's hard for me to know, but I, I think I've probably let out of the water about 75% of the races I've ever done. Um for me, it's important to know my competition before I start a race. Like know, um, obviously know everyone's swimming ability, but also know their current form. Um, there's a lot of guys in triathlon that seem to be very inconsistent with swimming. Um, they can be leading a swim one week and getting dropped from the front pack the next. So um, I always try and keep up with who's doing what and who's in good shape. So, I, I always kind of know before I start a race where I can expect to be. Um, sometimes if it's a really big race and I really need to save my bike and run legs, I, I might say to myself, okay, um, don't be an idiot. You know, let's keep this controlled. I'll let someone else lead. Um, but sometimes it never happens. And, you know, I, I, I can quite easily get frustrated sitting on someone's feet with, um, you know, when they're not swimming fast enough um, and just go to the front. And, um, yeah, I guess the main takeaway for me is basically you can, you can have an idea of what the race is, how how the race is going to pan out. But, um, I always kind of have an instinct where, um, I might need to just get out there and do my own thing and, and can't rely on anyone else to either swim in a straight line or swim fast enough. So, yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, you Especially in open water racing, it's sometimes the race can play out completely differently to what you expect. Mm. So it's um, it's just being able to to deal with that. And when I coach my squad, you know, we always like to um, um, to simulate what could happen in a race, whether it's your goggles coming off or whether it's getting kicked in the face or someone swimming over the top. You know, you want to be prepared for those things and you want to have dealt with them in training before you experience it in a race because. Um, you know, if you if you've experienced it before, you know how to deal with it. So, mm. just um, preparing yourself through the training that you do um, can make a, a big difference. Yeah, um, I, I mean, 
more on that. I know the, f- the first time I actually let out of a well, my first 70.3 World Championship um, was 2012 in Las Vegas. Um, I was swimming behind Andy Potts, who was leading the swim, and uh, this guy's kind of notoriously bad. You know, he's also one of the best swimmers triathlons ever seen, but he's notoriously bad for um, navigating. And um, he swam 1,800 metres at front, at the front, and then for some reason, 100 metres to go, he just kind of steered off to the left and was, you know, going to overshoot the swim exit. Um, so I just, I, I kind of had the confidence to. Um, to just do my own thing and uh in that last hundred meters i think i put four or five seconds on him and just from swimming straight and ended up leading out of the water in a world championship so awesome. um yeah it's just for open water i think you just always need to um have the confidence in your own abilities and not rely on following someone or anything like that yeah you can't be caught sleeping can you i mean yeah it's um the pack, you know, the person leading can easily just switch off, and if you're switched off as well, you'll follow them, you know, like yeah. you're talking about, or um, you know, you might not notice that there's another pack off to the side, and they might be mm. the ones going ahead. So, um, yeah, you've just it's you've got to always be switched on for the um for the swim leg. What yeah. um what sort of aspects of your stroke do you focus on? Um, just in, in terms of technique. So, what are you sort of looking to um to feel uh, when you know that you're you're swimming well? Um, I'll actually talk about some changes that I have made. I've actually, the last two years, I've gone from swimming, um, breathing one side uh, my whole life to actually trying to introduce some bilateral breathing. Um, so it's, it's... In in racing as well? In racing as well, yeah. I was basically getting a lot of back pain while I was swimming just um, on the opposite side to what I was breathing. Um, so I've... Uh, yeah, I've, I've just tried to I've really had to work hard on on um, that functional movement to the opposite side to what I'm I'm used to, just to try and level myself out in the water a bit. Um, I found when I was just breathing to one side, I was just really heavy swinging with one arm, um, and that that arm was ripping through the water, and the other arm was just kind of going through the motions, and I just wasn't getting. I was getting a lot of back pain, but also just wasn't getting. Um, as much out of my, uh, you know, propulsion from my stroke as I needed to. So, um, for me, it's the feeling good in the water now is um, just about kind of trying to gain an equilibrium in my in my stroke and my breathing. Mm. Um, and uh, it's taken really a good couple of years to um, be able to get that functional movement in, in my neck uh, good enough to be able to swim comfortably breathing bilateral. So. That's kind of been my um, focus technically the last two years. So I think I think as well trying to. I mean, I'm the same. I sort of breathe to one side when I'm racing in training. It's um, it's bilateral most of the time. But mm. trying to breathe bilaterally when you're racing with that faster stroke rate is can can take quite a bit of time to change. And it's uh, yeah. it's a very different feeling, especially if you've been doing that for the last fifteen years or so. Like it's. Uh, so now do you breathe every three when you're racing or is it you still sort of mix it up and it's the occasional other side breath or it's always yeah, three? Yeah, I, th- I think I'd, I'd definitely mix it up. You know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said um, I, I'd do it bilateral the whole race. You know, you're still um, you're still in that situation in the race where you, um, you kind of have to be stubborn enough just to do whatever you feel is going to get you to the end faster even if you know it's not technically – correct 
Mm. Um, so my my goal is to get to a point where I can, um, you know, breathe bilaterally comfortably the whole race. Um, maybe that'd be something I'd probably only be able to do in Ironman, where the pace would be a bit slower. But I certainly know what you mean. Um, when, you know, when you're sprinting off the start line, it's just you, you just do you just go back to habit and um yeah definitely. and you know when you start getting low on oxygen you kind of hit that vo2 max 100 meters into the race you know breathing every three actually gets pretty tough so yeah you just yeah you just have to kind of do whatever's right in the in the in the moment you know i think i think it's a trap that um that newer swimmers or newer triathletes fall into is thinking that they need to hold the same a breathing cycle for the whole race or even if yeah. it's in training you know for the whole lap um but that's not the case so you know it's okay to go two two three two two whatever just um as, as long as you do get some breathing to the other side happening it's yeah. um you don't want to go you don't want to be short on oxygen uh just as a as a trade-off for breathing bilaterally every single stroke i mean it's as you said it's, it's what gets you to the end fastest and sometimes it m- might not be the um, the, the most technically correct thing to do, but mm. the end goal is, is it's all about the speed there. So, yeah, um, yeah. with, um, with, uh, some of your sort of swimming, uh, sponsors, who do you, who do you work with? Um, what, what sort of, um, companies do you work with when it comes to providing all the stuff for your, your swimming? Um, so I'm exclusively with Tia for, um, for all my swim gear, my race suits, my wetsuits, swim skins, um, you know, goggles, caps, pool equipment. Um, one thing I've really been enjoying is they've been around a while, um, but it's new for tier is the snorkel. Um, just being able to, you know, kind of th- not have to worry about any of those uh, breathing elements and just kind of really, when you're swimming, let's say snorkel's great, I find with paddles um, when mm. you can just throw, throw the breathing out, uh, keep that head still, keep it locked in that one position and just really focus um, on gaining strength with your upper body. Um, yeah, so I've been finding those tools, obviously with a pool boy, they work, uh, really well. I, I find as a coach, I, I think breathing's probably the number one thing that will, um, that will impact someone's stroke when it comes to whether it's their catch or their rotation. Um, but it usually all comes down to when they get the breath. So, Training with a snorkel can be really good just for um, just for getting rid of that, getting the stroke right, whether it's with the recovery or, or under the water. And yep. then when you know when you're swimming really well with the snorkel, take it off and then try and keep the stroke pretty much the same with the snorkel off. Because you know if you can, if the breath can impact your stroke as little as possible, that's when you're going to um, have the best results with your with your swimming. Because um, with newer swimmers coming in they have a tendency, as you know, to sort of look a little too far around when they breathe or over-rotate through the shoulders and the hips and um, and go really deep with the catch. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, like a, a snorkel um, and, and pool boy as well are really good tools for developing that, um, that balanced stroke. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, when you take the pool boy out, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's obviously a good thing if you can – Try and get as close your body position as close to um, as it can be without the pool boy as to when you have it in. So yeah, um, I think if someone's tending, if their head position's wrong and they're dropping their feet and tending to sink a bit, um, that's really going to be made aware to them when they take the pool boy out. 
um, mm. and they feel that you know the position that they're in versus to perhaps closer to what they should be in. And we, I mean, we run a lot of uh, swimming clinics around around Australia, and we sort of take each part of the stroke, break it down, but we start with the the very basics, and it's kind of like building blocks. So we start with first of all, it's the the breathing. So you've got to get the the breathing right, making sure you're not holding your breath, you're constantly exhaling, and then we look at the the body position and the balance, and then building it up from there. And the very last thing that we really um, work on is the the catch and pull and then it's sort of your rhythm and timing and all that sort of stuff yeah. but um you've got to get those the the very f- basic fundamental stuff right first yeah. um and then the whole stroke becomes so much easier and uh, you know if, if you can have a, this, a similar body position to when you've got a pull boy in it's um that's you know that's when it becomes a whole lot easier because if your feet and your legs are dragging through the water you're going to have a tough time getting any sort of speed going with that yeah of course and uh, so what have you got on the cards? So what's what's next for you um, in terms of races? Um, so it's um, – I've actually just had the tough time of watching the 70.3 Worlds on TV on Sunday. Um, I was supposed to be over there racing, but I had to pull out two weeks prior with an injury. Um, but it's it was nothing major. It was just bad timing. So um, I'm actually looking to um, be racing – for the rest of the year, all the way up until December. Um, I think we're really fortunate in Australia to um, our season doesn't match up with the European and European, uh, sorry, European and American seasons. We can kind of come home after the racing in Europe and America tapers out and then really race all the way through to December. So uh, I'm starting with the sunny coast 70.3 next weekend and then heading up to Beijing for the Beijing International Triathlon. And then I'll be racing um, Challenge Bahrain, um, Port Macquarie 70.3, Western Sydney 70.3, and then I might finish with a Ballarat 70.3 mid-December. So awesome. um, I have actually, actually haven't raced that much this year, so I'm really looking to um, get some scores on the board soon. Does, does that fire you up, not, not being over there at Worlds and, and seeing the guys race? And does that make you hungrier to do well with the next couple of races coming up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was um, training with Sebastian Keenler in Germany, so um, I kind of knew where I was at from training with him. I was in pretty good shape. Um, seeing him go into second was unreal, and I was really happy for him. Um, not saying I would have been up there because it certainly looked like a really tough race, but um, the hardest thing about me, uh, for me not racing that course was um, was maybe the first time where I've actually really felt suited to um, to a world championship course with the 14-kilometre the climb on the bike. Um, I've, I've always been a good climber. I weigh 65 kilos. It kind of just really worked in my favour, so... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got two two titles that I'm defending coming up. So, um, so that's Port Macquarie and Western Sydney, and I'd also love to try and um, to to snatch a podium at the big one in Challenge Bahrain. So I'm really pumped for the rest of the year. Awesome, a lot of good races coming up for and, sure. Uh, and if you if you do go to Ballarat, um, yeah, I'll be there as well. So we'll uh, have to say good day, and uh, yeah, hopefully you you do make it there down to Cold Victoria. Yeah, cool. As, I mean, it, it would just be a timing thing with Ballarat. I mean, it is pretty late in the year. It's mid-December. So um, those, it's Western Sydney's two weeks before and 
Um, two weeks doesn't sound like much, but when it starts getting really hot and closer to Christmas, <laughs> you, two weeks is kind of a big commitment when you could be um, <laughs> sitting back and <laughs> enjoying some cold beverages, you know. Yeah, that, so, that's we'll right. We'll see. <laughs> well, I remember when uh, when I was younger swimming, we'd always have our state champs. It'd be, uh, what was it, straight after, it was like the first or second, third and fourth of uh, January. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so you'd have Christmas and you'd have New Year's and stuff and you could never eat as much as you wanted. You could never kind of let loose as much as you wanted. You always had this thing having over, hanging over your head. So whenever you yeah. can kind of switch off for Christmas and know that you can just relax, it's uh, it's a good feeling. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think we had our state titles in Queensland on the same weekend. Yeah. And um, we'd go camping as a family and mum and dad had always, well, not strictly dad, I think dad was a bit more relaxed, but <laughs> mum would always find some pool that I could get special entry into or some lake where I had to go swim. So Yeah, I, uh, I don't think I ever had a, uh, a holiday where we just slacked off um, you know, when I was growing up, it was always uh, in the pool every day or at least every second day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and now every time I go away, I, I, if I'm sitting around for more than two days, I get a bit edgy and need to go for a run or a swim or something. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it's kind of um, giving me some good habits, I guess. Yeah, but, um, when people want, if someone wants to get in touch with you, um, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on all the social media outlets, I guess, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I've got a website. Uh, josh-amberger.com and there's a contact form there or um, my email is joshamberger at gmail.com and happy to answer any swim or try related questions. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and best of luck for the races coming up over the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.